Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another episode of Duggies and Dargons. As always, my name is Mayhem, and I'm going to be your DM for this evening. The Disaster Trio get a night off for once. It's very rarely that I give them that luxury, but uh, I'm extending it tonight because we are joined by someone very special. Uh, tonight, we are joined by the wonderful and chaotic Overkill. <laughs> Grand chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for those of you who do not know, uh, we've been teasing this for quite a while now. In fact, we've been teasing Overkill's character for as far back as about two-thirds of the way through Chapter 2. Um, so spanning approximately 20 episodes now, uh, Overkill is the up-and-coming latest addition to the cast of Duckies and Dargons. And tonight is going to be the final little teaser that you guys listening at home get to have before we introduce him in a couple of weeks' time. So, shall we say rise and shine to our new player? Spoiler, I'm the deceiver. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Plot <laughs> 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 twist. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been following the Vardorian conflict up until this point, several facts that I'm about to relay are already well known to you. Vardor is gripped by chaos. On the surface level of Zyuria, the Vardorian theocracy has been rent asunder. The Deceiver, making the first of what can only be assumed to be many decisive moves in the enactment of their plan to disrupt and cripple the balance of power across the four continents, has already showed his hand. On top of this, in the heart of Vardorian monarchy's reach, the city of Amdale sees countless hidden facets of turmoil, from the tumultuous reign of King Alfred the Fair, aided by his High Council, to the still lingering sting of corruption felt by the upheaval of the now disgraced High Chancellor of Coin Yash and Drakana, the syrupy tension of the upcoming Vardorian summit and the unknown nature of how the leaders of the free world are going to negotiate the actions that should be taken in response to the aforementioned attack. In conjunction to this, mysterious figures flood the city, from the bounty hunters here for an unsanctioned job to the covert movements of a figure known only as the Commandant, lurking in the societal shadows, advancing their own motives and subduing multiple attempts to unmask their identity. Ladies and gentlemen, our heroes by way of Alara, Zaris and Anon must steel themselves to face a series of turbulent events that are about to unfold. Across the world, leaders are scrambling con to control their populace. The cryptic, antagonistic leadership of Venora predictably shares little to no intelligence of their standpoint in the current climate, whether it be what side of this battle that they are standing on, or whether or not their presence will be noted at the upcoming summit. The Aslegalian Empire to the south remains radio silent with no word from their emissary as to whether their presence at the summit will be confirmed or not. This isolated militaristic power sits in a corner of Vardor where their borders force them into a corner. Should they come under attack with no unified allied help, 
their fall is almost guaranteed. Speaking of the southern sides of Vardor, to the frozen wastes of Arcata, Arcata holds multiple secrets. However, there is one region of the world that for the last five decades has remained almost entirely unseen and untouched from the changes that have shaken the rest of the life across the material plane. Blackreach, a subterranean city encased, protected, and embedded in the icy desolation of the Iceblade shores, has managed, thanks to one man, to lie dormant, undamaged, and inconspicuous, protecting its inhabitants through means some would deem to be unorthodox, whereas the star of our show tonight would deem it as nothing short of necessary. We begin these events in a sprawling manner, at the forefront of the city, whose inhabitants have been subject to an abjurational spell encasing them perpetually in stasis, an icy shell covering their bodies, preserving their aging, health, and physicality from harm for years. This magic is one of which has been unheard of in the arcane world, according to recorded history. Within the rooms of this manor, among antiquities and relics, trinkets and odds and ends, stands a man hovering a little more than four feet off the floor level. Arms flayed to his sides, the dim darkened blue light covering the interior of the room casts it in an all too familiar cold hue as he lingers there, statuesque. That is until his fingertips begin to emit a warm, subtle glow. The icy shell that lightly covers his body like a thin layer of crystallized caramel. Yes, Zaris, I said caramel. Fucking deal with it. <laughs> well, I love you, Tony. <laughs> as his muscles begin to flex, his joints move. The only sound that is heard and that resonates throughout this room is the crackling and splinters of this hard material falling to the floor before the thud of boots on solid oaken floors. Meldir, as you take your first breath in 50 years, would you like to describe to our listeners at home what they could envision in their heads in terms of your appearance? Well, because I've been thinking about this for the last few days, I'm going to kind of spin off on a tangent just a slight bit. In a world riddled with ancient gods, one deity struggles to contain the power for himself. Oh my god. And one man and his group of dangerous misfits gathers to thwart his plans. Coming from D&D Productions, Summer 2023. A Mayhem Vote 93 original. The next chapter in the Vardorian conflict. It's Meldir, Rise of the ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need your clothes, your boots, and your health potions. Do it. Do it now. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners at home, you can't. 
you can't you obviously can't see me. I am struggling to contain the sound of the laughter to my studio. Cause if my cause if Anon hears me, I'll die. You're welcome. Now dear, go ahead and give the listeners a description of what you look like and what's going through your mind in the immediate sense uh as you touch ground on as you touch on solid ground for the first time in half a century all right back on track on a serious we're going to see meldir take his first breath but at the same time he's going to kind of stumble just a little bit you're going to see the color slightly come back to his once tanned skin And then you're going to see his staff appear as he tries to catch himself. But in the moments that his staff appears, he tries to reach for it, but barely misses it and stumbles onto the corner of his desk. And you're going to hear a loud thud as a bunch of the books and papers that were on that corner kind of scatter, hit the floor. And then he's just going to kind of groggily hold his hand to his forehead and essentially just be like it can't be this is already that time oh gods it's already happened a hundred years of planning and it's already happened again and then you're going to see him trying to compose himself he'll straighten his robes a little bit kind of dust the remnants of the stasis ah keyword spoiler alert stasis confirmed in dungeons and dragons Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) donkeys and dargons and bungee crossover when baby i'm just fucking kidding (laughs) that's never happening Hey Bungie, how about a sponsor? <laughs> wink, wink, mm-hmm. Bungie, anyway. hire, Bungie, hire me. I tell good stories. <laughs> I have a fire-breathing duck. <laughs> oh my goodness! But yeah, you're gonna see him kind of stumbling on his feet a little bit because he's been frozen for fifty freaking years, and he's gonna grip tightly on the corner of his desk. And he's going to look for his staff again. He's going to look down. He's going to see at his feet. He's going to pick it up and keep it in his left hand and kind of bang it on the ground a little bit. Just kind of get his bearings. And he's still shaking his head groggily trying to get all the gears of... Because he's been basically in a state of telepathic contact with just about everything that's been going on across the continent. Because the stone in his office, and I... I just came up with this, so you don't even know this yet. (laughs) The main stone in his office is called the Keystone. The Keystone is linked to all the other lodestones across the continent. So he was basically getting fed a bunch of information while he was asleep. So he's trying to process all that stuff that's gone through his head and whatnot. And it's, it's... like a sudden rush of information like you've just been plugged back into the matrix okay about 90 seconds to two minutes go by as meldir 
regathers his composure, takes his first series of icy cold breaths that hit his lungs like you've just taken too deep of a drag from a menthol cigarette. I love that feeling. Don't smoke, kids. Smoking's bad. Don't do it. <laughs> I say as I light up. Uh-huh. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, hip we're hypocrites over here at Dungeon uh, uh, Duckies and Dargons. Don't worry about it. Uh, drink responsibly. Don't drink like a Scotsman. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, as he finishes taking that series of first initial breaths, you look out the length of your office, past the double doors that lead out onto your balcony, and you see, in a process of awakening, you see Frostfang. Fogfang, sorry. <laughs> name just he tried. Went, it's okay. Na name just went fucking straight over the head there. Uh, You've got you stasis see, on the brain. Yeah, yeah. You see Fogfang going from his signature curled up, coiled resting position to limbering up and not standing, but as much as a, a naga can. As he senses activity. As he approaches the doors, they, they open. And for the first time in a very long time, you hear his familiar voice of, My lord, you have... You have returned to us. Give me just a moment, Fogfang. I'm I'm still a bit fuzzy on my details. I'm... Here, allow me to help. And you watch as his jewel-like eyes flash blue for a brief second as he casts Greater Restoration on you. And in a, in a swift second, the grogginess that's filling your mind like a smokescreen dissipates. And that initial knock to your cerib your status quo that you normally feel after you've woken up from a very deep slumber turns into the same alertness that you would feel after your first cup of coffee in the morning you're back on a you know a balance you're back on an equal playing field now Frogfang is approximately 20 feet away from you and is just taking in this moment waiting for orders waiting for you to, to to talk waiting for you to do something feeling that rush of healing and calmness finally come over him Mildred's going to Stiffen up, stand straight up, and you're going to see him change his staff from his left hand to his right hand, and then his grip on the staff is going to tighten drastically to the point where he's white-knuckled, and he's going to look at Fogfang. 
bring me Brecken now. My lord, Brecken has been in stasis for as long as you have. I understand that, Fogfang. There's not a moment to waste. I had just received info from the Keystone that I need to be... That needs to be discussed at this moment. So please, find Brecken. If he's still trying to get his bearings, I need him here as soon as possible. Fogfang crosses the room, makes it over to your position and says... How about we go and find them together, my lord? Limber up those old bones of yours. Metaphorically speaking, of course. That's that's fine, Fogfang. All I know is I designed the spell to basically, once I was awakened, all my key personnel were supposed to be awakened at the same time, which includes Brecken and all the essential personnel. So, yes, let's... Let me... Stretch, stretch out these old bones and let's go find them. As you depart from your office into the second floor hallway of your manor, Fogfang is on your left hand side, directly beside you, keeping keeping pace. Not even looking at you, just looking dead ahead. You hear him ask, The keystone, my lord. I you'll have to forgive me. I was not aware that it had been activated. I was I was unconsciously fulfilling the role of the keystone in its stead whilst you were absent so that when this day came, if you needed anything to be told, you would hear it from myself. That's on matters that are outside the realm of all the lodestones, Fogfang. The keystone is designed to feed me information in my stasis state on matters not just in Blackreach itself, but also across the entire Vardorian conflict. And I just received very, very disturbing info that I need to discuss with Brecken immediately. Yes, um... You can have to forgive me, my lord, and accept my sincerest apologies as not too long ago a situation arose where I guess we could call them trespassers, which would be M the... Meldir's going to hold up his hand to him and be like, I know of them. I've well touched the minds of two of them already, I know. Well, in order to explain how I've come by all of this information, I will give you the, the cliff notes of it. I allowed them to have safe passage off of the continent. In doing so, one of them, a young woman, decided that she wished to converse briefly as her companions exited the manor. I took a momentary window of opportunity to slip a small something into her pocket that would allow information to be drip-fed to me. And 
unbeknownst to them. It's how I do, Bogfang. You watch as a small projection appears about a foot and a half away from Fogfang of a small, almost perfect. And I'm talking, you would have to, you would have to work for the Vardorian Mint in order to notice the abnormality. You see a single gold coin. It's yours. I'm just saying. But the the abnormality is that it is about three percent too small. It's about three or four millimeters in diameter, smaller than the official gold currency that is used in Vardor. Fogfang, as you as you are still walking. He looks in your direction and says, I may have um, added this to her person, as well as activated the enchantment on it that allows low-level details to be obtained so long as the the woman kept it in her possession. Thank the gods that she did not assume it to be a... A regular piece of currency and used it in its typical methods. Otherwise, gods know well, what we would have been learning. The only However, that wasn't the knowledge I have learned from these individuals is rather unsettling. I mean, you're fine. What did you learn, Fogfang? I would assume it's much to be the same as what you've learned from your keystone, my lord. This realm is under threat, under attack. Even this day, there has been a large-scale attack on the Theocracy. I regret to inform you, my lord, that one of your lodestones has been destroyed. In fact, two of them have. That much I knew. I got the alert from the keystone on the other two stones. It would also appear, my lord, that... The Archmage Marcin Duran, who has led the Vardorian Theocracy for the last 30 years, has been shown to be somewhat distrustful. Though in an act of redemption, he refused to flee the scene of the attack. And as far as we can tell, Archmage Duran has gone down with the perpetual ship. His... Current status is unknown. We do not know if he lives or if he has died or we do not know of lo- his location. You're going to see Meldir kind of shake his head. And kind of, it, he's thinking it to himself, but he's going to say it out loud. He's just going to be like, I told Yorick. I, jeez. Oh, I told him multiple times when forming oh. a few hundred years. That's how long it's been since we were in our home plane. And now we're having to go through the same thing over again. Why can't these deities control themselves? My lord. 
In the span of time since the war before you put yourself in this city in stasis, you collected a vast wealth of knowledge. You've learned about as much as any living soul on this plane can about the Vardorian Pantheon. You know that when the gods cast out the Deceiver and stripped him of every possible iota of his power, that they rendered him to such a weakened state that he was borderline mortal. Of course, gods can no longer be rendered mortal. This was the next best thing. But it would seem as though that for the past several centuries since their ascension beyond the divine gate that the deceiver has slowly been cultivating his power again and is now unfortunately at a point where he can put that power to use it would seem as though he has a champion and is finally strong enough to lead a full-scale attack on one of the more densely populated branches of society. But, my lord already knows this. What I would like to know is if there's any use that I can be in filling in any gaps. Is there any branches or splinters of information that your keystone may or may not have provided you with answers to. Mildred's going to kind of think to himself a minute and just be like, did the three travelers happen to discuss any info with the monarchy that you know of? If you're wondering what the relationship with the current monarch is, I would say it's favorable. Alfred, grandson to King Yorick. Yes, I know of Alfred. I figured he would be in power at this time. His reign is one of turbulence, my lord. He is a man of good means and good intentions, though... I think it would be fairly hypocritical of me to say, but he lacks a spine. He does not make decisions on his own. He is recruited to the High Council. A group of advisories. Experts in certain fields. In fact, my lord, you already are acquainted with one of them. Which one has he appointed that I'm acquainted with? His High Commander of the Sword, Ivar the Loyal, fought alongside King Yorick the Black during the First War, of which you were expressly present. You're going to see Meldir kind of do that whole finger thing like, Ivar, Ivar. Wasn't he one of his generals? He was indeed, my lord. Now he serves as High Commander of the Sword the highest-ranking official of the Vardorian military. And it would seem as though in the century that it has been since the conclusion of the war, he has not let age get the better of him. Apparently. I figured he would have retired by now. 
or at least been three, six feet under at this point. Can't put much stock on human lifespan these days. Oh my lord, you're mistaken. High Commander of Sword is not a human. He is ASMR, such as yourself. I don't quite remember Ivar being ASMR. Huh. It's not a fact that he used to flaunt, which would be reticent enough for my lord to have remissed that fact from his memory. However, it would seem as though the High Commander of the Sword has recently, more specifically within the last six hours, embarked upon a large-scale rescue mission. He has taken a force of nearly 3,000 soldiers back to the Theocracy in an attempt to gather as many refugees and survivors as possible. Is that this moment you're going to see Meldir reach into his robe, into his pocket, pull out his pipe, kind of dump it a little bit, and then reach back into his pocket, pull out a bit of tobacco, put it into the pipe and light it up? He's going to take a drag, exhale, and basically just say, Alfred approve of sending his high commander into the thralls of the deceiver to rescue people. The high commander didn't exactly give his majesty any choice, my lord. It was a case of, I'm going whether you like it or not. As far as I can, as far as I can ascertain... The sentiment was that Ivar has served under three reigning monarchs, fought alongside one, and raised two of them from childbirth to the people that they are today. Yes, he I has, vaguely remember York's daughter. He has given his life in servitude. Of the, mar of the monarchy and feels that it is his birthright and servitude given position to if he so chooses lay down his life in servitude for his kingdom however his intentions are laced with arrogance he believes himself to be the most prominent warrior at hand and why settle for sending a B-tier team when you can send the hero of the Blood War and his most trusted soldiers? Even Yorick had issues with Ivar. I fear uh. that I fear that the late king's issues with his commander were ones of reigning in an almost rabid dog. You'd think that after almost a hundred years, you'd be able to ring in that dog. My lord, there is one thing that I wish to discuss with you concerning the High Commander. And I do not know... I do not know whether this presents a problem 
or a threat, or whether this is just a simple, useless piece of information lost to the history books. Does my lord remember anything surrounding an individual known as the Commandant? The moment Fogfang mentions the word Commandant, you're going to see Meldir immediately stop in his tracks and look glaringly at Fogfang, holding the pipe in his hand. What did you just say? Fogfang stops, turns to regain eye, uh, eyesight with you and says, It's a simple enough question, my lord. I'm asking if before you put yourself into your state of rest, if you can recall anything surrounding someone who operated under the title of the Commandant. Mildir is going to immediately go into a very serious posture, look at Fogfang and say, Commandant was an old rank in the original forming of the Monarchy Guard and then was immediately abolished a few years after. Why is the word Commandant coming up again? That should not exist. It would appear, my lord, as though someone is operating under that old, outdated, abolished title. Someone using it as a scapegoat, perhaps, or maybe a fear-mongering tactic among the populace. There's no proven identity of this individual. The travelers of which you have gained a little bit of knowledge of have stumbled across the path of the name several times. In fact, one of them seems almost obsessed with this individual. Gods know why when there's much bigger fish in the pond in order to seek out. However, it is a name that is being tossed around in high-ranking circles. His Majesty the King, whether it's through ignorance or, well, I suppose it could just be classed as, gen as general ignorance, has no knowledge of this. Naturally, given the tidbits of context of which was given to him by these individuals, he turned to his high commander. The high commander was relatively quick to educate his king as to the history of that title. Putting his king at rest. The reason I bring yeah. it up is because it still presents an unknown and it's leaving several people of notable notoriety in a state of unrest. I could understand giving the sordid history of the Commandant. We originally executed the first Commandant due to the fact that we thought that he was going to start a coup. On that note, the fact that that abolished rank is still being tossed around today from persons unknown. 
I, I don't I I don't like this fog fang. I don't like this at all. This is the stuff that I worked so d diligently with Yorick to avoid, and now it's happening. My lord. My the theocracy that I literally watched being built brick by brick destroyed for the simple fact that one deity wants to control it all. I wanted to create a place that every religion could be worshipped, regardless of the fact of what it was, and it came back and bit me in the ass again after hundreds of years of the fact that we knew of what happened in our original plane. Yes, the memories of home still sting like freshly cut nettles upon the skin, but my lord, you cannot take the failures of the current generation as a reflection upon yourself. At this point, I'll say that you guys are outside of the manor. You have traversed over to one of the smaller houses I say smaller in comparison to the manor itself. It's still a fairly large and slightly more lavish house than your the typical one here in Blackreach. But it is where Brecken resides. It's about 150 feet away from the exterior of Meldir's manor. Fogfang continues what he was saying by saying, As for... The attack upon the theocracy. I hate to be the one to say it. But it makes sense that a deity bent on crippling the balance of power would attack the most holy sites in the realm. The simple act of leveling the temples sends a message that... He is above the Pantheon. He is above the deities. He is above Tiamat. He is above the Matron of Ravens. He is above the Spider Queen, the Storm Lord, the Wild Mother. And he is above his own siblings. The fact that he was able to succeed in this almost unchecked. It signifies the level of preparation and increase in power that he has obtained over the last several centuries. But he must have had help. He must have had allies. He must have had people in a position across Sardor in regions overlooked where he could gather this strength geographically assemble it and then put it to use based on the troubles that we've had over the last hundred years there's only one place that i can even think of that would even attempt to do something like that and that would be fenora do you think them that brash do you think them brash enough to go against the agreement that you played a hand in establishing at this point, I wouldn't put anything past them. With the way that the first summit went, I wouldn't put it past them at all to be able to do something like that under our noses. 
My lord, if it serves my memory well. The Venoran representative at the summits. Was he not the one who suggested the exile in the first place? Was it not him that tabled the idea of a hundred-year exile? With the condition that when that century period was over, Venora would have full access to trading and economic and social connections with the rest of the world once again. That was the idea, yes. But even so, even the simplest and most thoughtful of ideas can have hidden motives. At this point, I'll say that Fog Fang is leading you into the house. You make your way through the somewhat large uh, entrance area and up a short flight of double stairs where you can hear coming about 30 feet down the hall the sounds of coughing, sputtering and then footsteps and about 10 seconds later you see the door open and out steps out steps into the hallway the familiar form of Brecken and I'm going to take creative liberties here because no details were given to me whatsoever uh, <laughs> can I give details then? Pardon? Can I give details then? Because I had a general idea of how he looks. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, if you had an idea. So, Brecken is essentially a high elf. Okay. First and foremost. Okay, um, he's going to have very short, tightly kept black hair. A black goatee. And his armor choice is going to be full plate armor that is brass in color with a silver etching on the left across the heart on the left side of his breastplate a silver etching of a phoenix interesting and, and that is Brecken that's almost the opposite way that I was going to go with it <laughs> I was going to I was going to make him a dwarf I was going to I was going to make him a dwarf <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, not yeah. A door. I was I was gonna I was gonna make him like a bastard a bastard hybrid of uh Gimli and Ragnar Lothbrok. <laughs> Just this fucking weird ass fucking mashup of the two of them. You know the the insane quirkiness of Ragnar Lothbrok and the stereotypical visage of Gimli being the representation of a dwarf. Uh, but mm -hmm. no, no, no. Um, <laughs> Maldir watches as Brecken stumbles out into the hallway and after a couple of seconds looks your way before immediately writing himself. At which point you, like, you see him, he snaps to like standing at full height and then almost fucking stumbles over again as he looks to you and goes <clears throat> so soon how long is, is it that how long has it been my lord it's been 50 years Brecken I feel like I've barely slept a wink 
And you'll have plenty of time to sleep afterwards. All I know is there is a bunch of shit going down, and I am not happy about it. <coughs> right. Well then. Let us... Let's adjourn to the war room. You see as he leads you down the end of the hall into this 60 by 40 foot study with this large marble circular table that has the entire realm of Vardor engraved in it. You see does, all four does continents. Does it also have like does it have like also like little itty bitty lights showing like where the lodestones are? Yes, <laughs> it does actually. Sweet. So you you see the locations of the lodestones and you see um you see little like you know the little flags that you see generals pushing around on the tables in like the war movies when they're like showing the advancement of the troops and all that he's like the got, little figurines yeah 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 he's got that so he's got flags representing the capitals and he's got uh on the on the engravings of the four continents he's got like the vital roads and the rivers and uh traversable routes engraved in it as well as well as points of interest so there's also have up in the there's also have in the corner it says google maps and underneath <laughs> it it has like 423 bc <laughs> no no not 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 necessarily google maps um but you do see that he's gold maps. <laughs> it's it's basically a representation of what the world was like when you left it. And you see he he kicks... you see you haven't updated your maps in fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> Would you care to install this two gigabyte patch? Uh you see he slides the chairs out from away away from the table scatters the pieces across the map and just completely clears the board you see he is sweating profusely he is he is coming to grips with being operational again and whereas someone who's been in this stasis for multiple decades would be primarily focused on eating, drinking, and sort of like maintaining their health, the fact that he has been awoken and know the re knows the vague reasons as to what would constitute his awakening leads him to believe that this is business. You see, he's hunched over the table and he's looking to you as you enter the study and, and enter the war room. And he has got a determination in his eyes. With a passive of 23, can I see that he's uh, somewhat flustered and slightly exhausted? Yeah, you definitely can. Okay, so what, what you're going to see Meldir do is he's going to notice how Brecken is acting and whatnot, and he's going to see the sweat, the beads of sweat and whatnot. So Meldir is going to walk over to him, and he's going to do his healing hands ability on him. Okay. To uh, essentially bring him back up okay. to where he originally is. 
you see he regains a large proportion of his constitution. He looks like his breathing is less labored. You see, he takes a, a deep breath and says, thank you. Now, take, take your time, my friend. As contradictory as this is going to sound, I need you to debrief me. I need you to fill me in on the details. So knowing there's a shit ton of information that Mildir was just given. <laughs> And I'll I say, have the memory span of an M&M. So. Yeah, yeah. I'll say that you give him the download. You give him the... Not the cliff notes, but not the the 10,000 word thesis either. Um, the important... Yes. Notes. You see, that, I, you see that as you go through these important details, he is replacing pieces on the board. And you see he waves a hand over to Theocracy and it is it changes from that slate gray marble to jet black as though he's he's completely changing the status of it he's he's updating the map essentially now when you did the whole falling of the theocracy were all the low stones destroyed or just those two in, in essentially in the time frame so during the time that the disaster trail were there the northeast and northwest lodestones were destroyed yes. allowing allowing for the first wave of the attack to come from the northern side however after they left all of them would have been destroyed so that the theocracy would be attacked from all directions so essentially anything that's going on now milder would essentially be blind as to what's going on essentially yeah Okay. But you watch as Brecken is just fixated on examining how different the world is compared to how you guys left it. He looks to you and says, Meldir, do you know anything about the current military powers? What's their numbers? What's their formations? What's their what's their tactical advantage if any do we know anything as far as i know alfred has plenty of troops as of this moment however that is another topic i wanted to bring up with you i'm going to need several things done before i'm able to get there because I know I'm going to have to get there. The second summit is upon us. You're not genuinely thinking about leaving here, are you? Brecken, it's my duty. These people welcomed us with open arms your when we duty, came here. Your duty to a king who no longer lives. My duty is to the monarchy, Brecken. The monarchy that I helped build. I helped create this monarchy. And it is my right and duty to ensure that this monarchy stays or is at least feasible in the eyes of the people of this continent. We're strangers here, Brecken, but we were welcome. These people took us in when no one else would. 
At this point, Fogfang pipes up and says, My lord, strangers as we may have been when we first arrived, I feel our, I feel our situation given the current generation is a lot more dire. It would appear that nobody outside of, well, the general populace of Blackreach and three other individuals knows of our existence. You did such a good job at concealing our location and our identity that the entire world has no idea we exist. And it was because of that that I had the specific reason of doing it. Because we're from a different time and a different plane. Our point is, Eldir, that you walk into the heart of this world's power and you essentially look like a madman. You look like a stranger because that's exactly how they're going to see you. You will be arrested on sight. You will be thrown into a cell until you are brought in for interrogation. And I fear they are not going to go easy on you. If they're, if they're, if their capital is not already under lockdown, it will be by the end of the day. They would be I have they would be fools to leave their borders open. When I helped Yorick build the capital. I specifically built the capital a particular way. I have teleportation circles all around the capital for a specific reason. Even Yorick knew of this. This was to encourage steady flow of trade and goods and socialization with my people and the people of this continent. And I'd be damned if I'm going to think that they're going to just essentially lock me away from trying to come in and save something that I worked so hard to build and protect. Granted, yes, my duty is to my people, and that is not the furthest thing from my mind, but I include all the people of Vardor as well as my own in that, and I'd be damned if anyone's going to keep me from doing my duty. That is my stand. And I will not deviate from it. Fogfang looks at Bracken and says, Do you think he's a little bit determined in this? My lord. You do not have to remind us of the determination that you have in upholding the promises that you made to the first king. You must understand you are dealing with a vastly different monarch. You are dealing with a vastly different generation. And you are dealing with a political power that you did not help create. The High Council was established by the current monarchy. It was established because... Well, the current king saw himself as unfit to rule. So he established a, a board of 
he established a committee, essentially. A board of trusted advisors. Milner's going to look over at Fogfang real quick and it's just be like, did any of those three adventurers mention anything about me and this city to the king? They mentioned that they stumbled across this place, but nobody knew what to make of their claims. One of them, a young boy, well, I say young, I'd estimate he's young for his species, the young tiefling boy. Pleaded. The one that goes by Zerus. I believe so, yes. This Zerus pleaded with the king to send people here. Find a way to awaken the city as a whole. Find out whether or not we wielded any militaristic power and plead with us if we did to assist, to lend a force, to lend numbers, swords, weapons, mages, whatever we could spare. This man believes that the world is too late to act. He believes that, and I must side with him, that he and his companions have been warning people about the events unfolding for weeks. And nobody has listened. And they did nothing. Hubris. No matter what species, no matter what race, no matter what civilization, hubris comes for us all. And our hubris often comes from the inability and the decisive inability to act until it is too late. You see Brecken looks over and goes, yes, Fogfang, we get it. But now is the time when we can do something. Now is the time when we can help. But Meldir... The next protocol is to awaken the entire city. And that's not going to take a short amount of time. And... No, it's need, not. Need I remind you... That the teleportation circles embedded in Blackreach... The ones you established... To help people move freely among the four continents... Have been laying dormant for 50 years... It will take a minimum of a day to get them back up and running. And that's if we pour every ounce of energy we have into them. If we pour every ounce of energy we have, it will take longer to awaken the people. Which is why I have several things that I need you to do, Brecken. Say the word. First of which, 
I need you to awaken all, ensure the awakening of all military personnel and essential personnel in this city. I will start with the clerics. Yes. For the simple fact that I need the arcane enchanters up and ready and preparing more lodestones and standing by in case any need to be repaired. I will have I, them immediately assess the inventory. I also need I also need every blacksmith, every armor, and every potions maker, every alchemist, and every other arcane user up and able to do what they can do to ensure that we are prepared and that everything is ready. I want to get I want to get specific fortification units to the Sapphire Keep as soon as possible. If it takes a few days, that's fine. I am not I am not in I am in a rush, but I understand things take time. Fogfang, and I know you will Fogfang looks to Bracken and says what our lord could possibly do as a contingency plan is once the teleportation circles are reestablished and at full capacity, if his heart is indeed set upon attending this summit, this meeting, ill-advised as I may say it is for this meeting to go ahead at all, why not make that one of the points of interest to bring up? Relay to the monarch and the other attendees that there is a defensive force waiting and standing by to be moved, given the approval of those that need to provide it. It is at your behest. It is at your... It is your discretion, it is at your utilization, should the king request it. That will give us enough time in order to prepare the people, prepare the soldiers, prepare the mages, prepare the clerics. As well as giving the city enough ancillary power to begin operation once again. It's a compromise. Yep. It also brings up another point, Brecken. Can you get someone, and for goodness sakes, I cannot believe this has happened again, to plug up that hole at the front northwestern quadrant of the city? Permanently plug it up? I will see what I can do. And as soon as the teleportations are up, and fully ready, I want infantry monitoring everyone who goes in and out of those support circles. I do not want any civilians coming in and out of those circles at this time. I only want essential personnel going through them. Well, dear, if I may be so bold, I was going to make an executive decision that no civilian leaves the city until this conflict is resolved. Whether it is... 
a chronological span of a short skirmish or in the unlikely and hopefully avoidable circumstance that an all-out war erupts. No citizen of Blackreach leaves the city borders until peace has been extended across the entire Vardorian realm. I, it, I want it also under my strict decision on who can and who can't at this point. Because <clears throat> depending on how long this is going to be, Brecken, I do not need my people starving and I do not need a short of supplies on anything. So. I believe we have a reasonable stockpile of preserved foods and sustain sustainable materials to keep us going for a short while. I will have someone check the inventory and compile a full inventory report. However, you are right. We will need we will need imports. We will need exports. As to where these imports and exports come from, it's a matter of who we can trust. And depending it's not, on, it's not depending a on that level of trust, I think the Sapphire Keep would be our best bet at this point. But I do not want anyone going there until I give the word that it is safe to do so. Might I suggest bringing that up when you do eventually arrive there? Believe me, I'm going to bring bringing up a lot of things once I get there. It's at this point, Fogfang, who is staring at the table as Bracken is piecing or placing all these pieces on the essential board. He looks up and says, It alarms me how little we know about the allies that this deceiver has at his disposal. An attack of this magnitude cannot simply have been conducted through men alone. Is it possible on any conceivable level that this deity is, is, is gaining assistance from beasts and species outside of the typical catalog. Based on what I saw from the keystone before the lodestones were destroyed at theocracy, I am under the big impression that dark magics were also at work here. There has been Very a there's powerful been, dark magic. There's been an alarming arcane signature moving swiftly from the west to the east. More specifically, and you watch as this small beam of blue light hovers over over Venora. More specifically, from the north. It never makes the same journey twice. 
something is coming out of Venora. Whatever this creature is, it left Venora two days ago. And it touched down somewhere in Zyuri. From there, it went dark. I have not been able to trace its signature in the last 36 hours. But whatever this is, given everything that is unfolding, I would hasten to say that it is not connected. Whoever or whatever this creature is, we must assume that they are not friend. They are foe. And if the time should ever come where this thing shows itself on the field of battle, we have to pray that our assumptions are exaggerated. Pray that I am losing my touch. <laughs> Bracken follows Fogfang's illumination on the map and touches down uh, you'll actually be able to do this because you have access to the thread now if you go into I believe it is the resources thread and in the pinned messages you should have access to all four maps Jorha, Zyuria, yep. if you go into If you go into Zyuria, mm -hmm. and the southwest border of Amdale, where it reaches the Searing Sands, mm -hmm. about 10 to 15 miles north of that border, so on the Amdale side, is where Brecken lays his finger and says if war erupts this village will be the first point of attack the village of Lanham Day it is one of the quintessential trading ports landlocked on the continent there is more natural resources flowing through this small town than out of the biggest ports known to my knowledge. If this town falls, food chains will be disrupted. Vital resources, raw materials will be disrupted for a matter of months, maybe even more. There are plenty of guards there. Crown's Guard. Maybe a few military. I'm going off of old data here, Meldir. I can't give you a more accurate representation. Is there any way, Brecken, that you can send out a feeler message to Lanham Day to let them know that we're of the original continent and that we need to know if you're okay? And if they would be able to accept any kind of reinforcements whatsoever, just in case. It's possible. You see, as he holds up a hand, there is a small orb 
that apparates floating about six inches off the palm of his hand. You see as he gazes into it, closes his eyes, and I'm actually going to roll this. Okay. It was a luck check. So, Maldir, you know how luck checks work. North of a 10 is a success. Um, 18. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Listeners at home, what do you think? Uh, 18. E, borderline. Brecken focuses for a moment and says, I know a guy. He's retired. And reclusive maybe a little mad but there is still someone of a friendly nature in the town i can send word after i've gotten everything else done do what you can brecken <sighs> i just hope that we can enact all of this in time and i hope that whilst we are enacting all of this nothing else goes sh shit fuck sideways at this point, Brecken, everything's gone shit fuck sideways. All we can do now is just sweep up the mess. Melody, but... do you remember do you remember the young sergeant on the day after the conclusion of the war that sat with you and basically just told you of how he wants nothing more than to go home yes the one who came into my tent that day let's not have a repeat of that instance shall we Believe let's not me. let's not put ourselves in a position where we have to convoy thousands upon thousands of our brethren back to a city where their loved ones have no idea whether or not they still draw breath. Believe me when I say this, Brecken, I've seen enough wars in my lifetime. I am 205 years old. I do not want to see another blood war happen again. And I will do everything in my power to ensure that not another single life is lost in this conflict. Fogfang looks to you and says, Is it at all possible that this tiefling may have connections to someone very influential in the Nine Hells? Asmodeus, maybe Aphomet, maybe, you know, someone high Fogfang. Ranking. Fogfang. All tieflings have a tie to every single demonic presence in the Nine Hells. I am very well aware of that. I'm merely, I'm merely asking whether or not someone of dramatically high influence could be reached out to. Sort of equal the balance of militaristic and scarily demonic destructive power on both sides of the field. If you're suggesting that we try to get demons up from hell to fight on our side, then you might as well just be spitting into an open, active volcano, trying to cool it down. It's worth a thought, sir. 
had I personally had I personally thought that it would work, I would suggest plane shifting to a completely different plane of existence and striking alliances with anyone that you could come across. But it seems as though that that is not. A, you know my thoughts on doing that again. That's not a measure of time that we have the luxury of holding within our hands, so it's going to have to be cast aside. Nor am I even at that power level to be able to do something like that again, number one. Number two, I swore I would never, ever do that again. I, if it's any consolation, it would appear that one of those travelers has the ability to cast the plane shift spell. Though they have been using it mundanely and sticking to the material plane. More of a... It's like holding a nuclear bomb and using it to heat up a microwave. Nuclear bomb? What is this nuclear bomb you speak of? Oh, I've had many ideas in the time that you've been asleep, my lord. Oh my goodness, Fogfang. That, that, that brings be, up another point. Just be thankful. Just be thankful that I don't know any artificers. <sighs> don't not remind about artificer. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, my lord, this realm doesn't have any artificers. They're technologically so far behind that if we were to bring them home, I fear they would all have heart attacks. Ah. <sighs> Mer Bracken, Bracken just interrupts by going, I feel as though we are getting off subject here. Can we please get back to the fact that the end of the world as we fucking know it could potentially be unfolding right in front of our eyes and that our priority should be the safeguarding and reestablishment of functionality within Blackreach. Okay, sex bots aside. Meldir. I'm going to get started on the orders that you've given me, starting with re-establishing power to the teleportation circles. From there, I will awaken as many mages, alchemists, healers, and blacksmiths as I can. And I'm hoping that through a compounding effect, we can speed this process up. Also ensure that the high guard is up and mobilized. We need yes. to bolster our defenses as well. Yes. Before I go, Meldir, one, one other thing. The fact that we have seen what we have seen so far in our lives I do not wish to have it repeat again just as much as you do however should that fail and we be left with no choice we must consider the possibility and the option 
of finding a way to utilize the same level of power that it took in order for you to set up those lodestones. I'm pretty sure we can manage gathering enough people in order to do that. Depending on how long it takes, there's no telling. My biggest concern was, will your body survive through the physical toll that it already put you through if you were to do it again? Gods only know. And at this point, I'd barely even be able to survive a sneeze if it was as severe as it was when I enacted the stasis spell to begin with. Now let's, do every, point, let's do everything we can to ensure that we don't have to do that. That is my one and main goal. Oh, and Meldir, when you do meet these concerning individuals, as I will call them, try not to kill them. <laughs> You're going to see Meldir crack a smile. <laughs> Fogfang, just, Fogfang just looks and says, at the risk of sounding like an absolute imbecile, Brecken, why exactly would Meldir want to kill them? Brecken just sighs heavily and says, ah. You know, Fogfang, in all the time that I've known you, however brief, sans a 50-year stasis period, it may be, up until now, I've always lived with the preconceived notion that you were highly intelligent, you can consider that thought now that I have the preconceived notion that you are somewhat intelligent. You lack the social graces of contextual understanding. You would want to kill them because the entire world has gone to shit. Fogfang just looks at him and you see these serpentine eyes narrow. As he looks at Brecken and says, You do realize I'm an intelligence-based mage. My intelligence is what grants me my arcane power, and if you would like a demonstration as to how potent it is, I will send you back home. And I'm not talking about three doors down the hall, Brecken. And at that point, you're going to see Meldir lift up his staff and bang it on the ground and you're going to see a large wave of arcane light spew from it. And Mildred's just going to be like, unless the two of you can settle your differences, I will send you both home. Brecken steps around from the table, walks past you, gets to the doorway and says, I'll inform you of updates when I have them. Thank you, Brecken. And on the note of how long Fogfang has been known, and he's going to turn to Fogfang, 
What did you do? You're going to have to enlighten me. In the many years that I've known you, Fogfang, you've been mischievous. What did you do with the three travelers? I gave them safe passage home. You know this. Aside from that, Fogfang, you know what I mean. I... Do not recall. I believe I spoke to them. And gave them an arcane way of getting the fuck out of a sticky situation. How else were they going to get back home? They had no ship. They had no means of aviation-based travel. I basically gave them the, the express route. Okay, where's my spells? I can't believe you're having me do a spell now. <laughs> is this Meld here saying, where's my spells, or is this you saying? No, this is me saying, where's my spells? <laughs> Let me just see what all kind of fuckery I can do for this. Let's see. Um... I mean, in Fogfang's eyes, you're being extremely vague with the question of, what did you do? Well, I did many things. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to do a spell right now. <clears throat> but he's going to narrow his eyes at Fogfang and essentially just be like, did you tell them to do something? I told them to return, should you... Oh. No, I didn't. I didn't tell them to do anything. Oh. Very well. In that case, Meldir is casting command on uh -oh. Fogfang. Uh-oh. Ah. <sighs> You know command is a one-word thing, right? Uh, just, yeah. Just saying. I know it is. Choose that and word. Choose that word carefully. And I know exactly what that word's going to be. Uh-oh. The fog thing is going to have to make a wisdom saving throw on that. Ah, Jesus. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> uh, is it exclamation mark or forward slash R? That would oh, be yeah, an that eight. fails. Yeah, 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 I may have enticed these individuals to obtain the possession of a certain item that does not currently sit within mine or their possession in exchange for a monetary value reward. Yeah. 
You are so lucky that I admire your presence, Fogbang. I count myself lucky that you know that having raised me from nothing more than a hatchling, that you know that whenever I do these things, it is entirely in... Out of love? I wouldn't go so far as to say that. I would say it's more in jest. Uh-huh. From a place of completely lacking any maliciousness or antagonistic motives. It is merely for entertainment and for... Well, if anything, it was more to test their abilities of covert item acquisition. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't, um... You wouldn't happen to still be using the typical methods of securing said item, would you? Before Mildir answers, he's going to cast another spell. Okay. And this one's a funny one. I'm casting Passwall at his feet. Oh, God. <laughs> A passage appears at a point of your choice that you can see on a wooden, plaster, or stone surface, such as a wall, a ceiling, or a floor, within range and lasts for the duration. You choose the opening's dimensions up to 5 feet wide, 8 feet tall, and 20 feet deep. The passage creates no instability in the structure surrounding it. When the opening disappears, any creature or object still in the passage created by the spell are safely ejected to an unoccupied space nearest to the surface on which you cast the spell. I am essentially opening a pitfall underneath Fogfang. It's essentially you're doing Loki from Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're going to see Mildir lift his staff, banging on the ground, and pass walls cast. Right underneath Fogfang. You watch as he hover, he lingers in free space for a split second, and then... He goes from coiled to fully extended and straight down. <laughs> now, where does he reappear is the question. No, he's, he's basically in a 20-foot deep hole. Oh, okay. Meldir, you, uh, you peer down this hole and look at Fogfang, and he is just staring up, rather unamused, saying, Nah. How do you expect me to be able to climb out of this? I cannot stay here forever if I am to be of any use to you. <laughs> Mildred's going to peer over the edge and basically just say, I keep my stuff well protected. Number one. Number two. You'll be out in an hour. It is, a, <laughs> it is a very good thing that I do not have a more important role in reestablishing the functionality of the city, then, isn't it? Oh, no, you do. It'll just take you an hour. <laughs> Mildred's going to kind of do a side smile and kind of chuckle a little bit. 
And then he's going to tap the staff on the ground, and the pass wall is going to dissipate, and he's going to basically be back on ground level. You watch as, in a split second, the pit disappears, and it's like, it's like a platform just speeding upward to where there is no evidence of, uh, of a pit having been formed. And Fogfang is back on ground level, looking at you very unamused and saying, You know, sir, if you say that someone's going to be in the, under the effect of a spell for a given amount of time, don't backtrack on it. Shows that you are not willing to stand by the morals and the words that you have gone by. Try that again. And I will counterspell it faster than you can say your own name. Try to counterspell it, and then I will plane shift you to the bottom of the Nine Hells. Good, maybe I'll grant us some alliances along the way then. It's now, good to be awake, old friend. Let's just hope that we're awake for a lengthy amount of time and that's... Well... Let's just make sure that there's at least one place on this realm still standing when we're done. At the rate it's going, I'd be surprised. I would quite like to have the opportunity, the opportunity to investigate the sudden emergence of an increasing number of two-foot-tall dragons on this realm. By my account, there have been several popping up along the geographical world starting in Jorha and, more alarmingly, in various portions of Zayuri, including the capital. I need to conduct research on this. This is something that I have absolute bewilderment over. You'd have better luck finding a fire-breathing duck. Then count today as my lucky day. Because there has been a report of one existing. Excuse me. I would tell you, but where would be the fun in that? Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, that is where we are going to end off for this very short bonus episode of Duckies and Dargons. The city of Blackreach will soon be fully operational, and Meldir will soon make his journey to the capital. Will he arrive in time for the upcoming Vardorian summit? Most likely. Will he be able to waltz in freely and announce his presence to some of the most powerful figures in Vardor? He's probably, oh. going, to, he's probably going to try. <laughs> oh, I have a very high persuasion. Uh-huh. <laughs> I bet you do, but ladies and gentlemen. As a leader, I need it. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this little uh, side episode of Duckies and Dargons. Until next 10, time. 10,000 years. No, I'll give you such a crank in the neck. <laughs> little Robin Williams quote for all you uh, 90s kids out there that grew up watching that movie. I uh, I certainly did. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. We will be back with the Disaster Trio in the next session. And we, uh... Yeah. I would give you a little hint, but... 
two of my players listen to these episodes and I don't want to spoil anything. So <laughs> until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. But above all else, cast a pass wall pitfall. And then threaten to counterspell it. Good night, everybody. <laughs>